This is the Talk Theater in Chicago interview podcast. I'm your host this week, Anne Nicholson Weber, and my guests are Monty Cole and Brian Lovner. They are two of the three partners in the Chicago Commercial Collective, a new commercial production partnership or collective, whatever that means. We'll find out. Um, and they uh, have just produced, in association with Chicago Dramatists, a remounting of Keith Huff's A Steady Rain with the original cast. It opened two days ago. Mm-hmm. It opened this week. And it's their um, maiden voyage as at least producers together. So I wanted to talk about the concept for your, um, I'll never say business when I talk about theater production, but your enterprise. <laughs> um, and the obvious place to start would seem to be how you three came together. Uh, the third is Aurelia Fisher, I don't think I said her right. name. Um, how you three came together, what your concept was, whatever. So, Brian, you want to dive in? Sure. Um, you know, it was very serendipitous how the three of us came together. Um, I'm happy to say that three smart producers had the same idea at the same time mm. and somehow managed to find each other in this city of 8 million people. Um, uh, Monty and I were introduced by a mutual friend uh, who informed both of us that we were having the same idea uh-huh. a- at the same time. Uh, Aurelia Fisher and I had already uh, met each other and had started a relationship working together on Steady Rain and trying to work with Steady Rain. And um, when we met Monty, it was clear that we had reached critical mass and that it was time to do something together. Um, it was wonderfully clear what our mission was going to be. And uh, it is. And the mission is very simply to not let good Chicago shows close. Mm-hmm. Um, I've done it. I know Monty's done it. You have too. You accidentally missed that show that was sold out for the last six weeks. Right. And you wish that you had seen it. And uh, we've seen that happen too much. And there's really too much high-quality theater in this town to let that happen too often. So why don't you tell me um, the backgrounds of each of the three of you, what you bring to the table in this new um, approach. Monty? Sure. So, yeah, we all come from different directions entirely. It's really kind of uh, crazy how we've basically taken our own digs at the company, our own sections of the company. Um, I come from a marketing standpoint, from a producing standpoint. Uh, what's great is that we've all you know, been in the hands of a nonprofit before. Mm-hmm. So we know where you're coming from when you say we had this great show, we don't want it to close. Mm-hmm. Uh, we all have been there. We all know, uh, okay, yes, let's help you out. Um, I come from a world of uh, house theater, village players uh, in Oak Park, uh, Victory Gardens. Uh, I worked with uh, Looking Glass when I was really young. So, uh, I've lived in Chicago the, my entire life, and I've always followed nonprofit theaters from shoot, when I was in junior high. I mean, <laughs> so that's um, so that's always been a part of me. And when I went to Boston for school, I preached Chicago like it was, you know, like my sermon was always Chicago theater, and it was always about the fact that these shows are going somewhere else. Mm-hmm. They're not staying in Chicago. They're going somewhere else, and they're not making money there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and most importantly, they're not making money there, and the original companies are not getting the credit they deserve. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember all my classmates when I was in like arts management class, where they were talking about this production of Oh, I don't know, Our Town, 
was really produced in New York, and there was nothing before it. And uh -huh. I was like, there's this company called the Hypocrites. You should know about it. Right. Um, and, you know, the word hypocrites never had appeared on that website. And I, it always kind of made me like, mm. huh. And so basically I decided to dedicate my um, thesis in a way at, when I was in school to how do you combine nonprofit and commercial? How do we fix the nonprofit model? What needs to happen? There are different ways to do this. And this company is an answer in one of them. Yeah, it's nice that Monty came out of, uh, you know, came back to Chicago after his time in Boston, you know, sort of ready to, to help solve this problem. And, and I come from the opposite uh, side of it. I've been in Chicago for 15 years as an arts manager. I've been uh, the managing director at Chicago Dramatists for the last eight years. And uh, I've simply sat and watched this happen over the last 15 years. Mm -hmm. I've watched my playwrights uh, here from Chicago Dramatists have hit shows that close too soon that get shipped off to other cities um, where they uh, either have success or don't. But either way, Chicago artists aren't benefiting as greatly as they could. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's it's from that standpoint as a longtime theater producer like myself that I come to this hoping to use the commercial theater, the for-profit theater model, as a way to help solve this problem. And what's Aurelia's background? Aurelia is uh, has been in Chicago for about three years. Uh, she was uh, most recently the producing director at About Face Theater. She also presently works as an arts consultant here in town. She's working with American Theater Company, Lifeline Theater, Music Theater Company up in the suburbs. Um, she's an arts manager. She's a producer. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, she comes with a great background in, in financial and legal matters, uh, as well as a great uh, uh, understanding of the production process and of ways to streamline that process, which is one of the uh, issues we have to deal with is be able to do this inexpensively. Right. Yeah. Right. One of the cool things also, I feel like we all have our own professional backgrounds, but we all have our own individual tastes as well. We mm -hmm. have, when we go to see a show and someone says, really, we want you to come and see this show, we all have our different ways of coming at it. I personally love the gritty, like the small theater that uh, is doing something really different, a different form of storytelling. Uh, Brian Brian says that he likes the the. the the straightforward, the, the play, the well-written play, because he comes from Chicago Dramatists. Mm -hmm. He comes the, right. from a bunch of playwrights that really w write well. Right. And uh, Aurelia loves, loves, loves musicals. With mm. all heart. So the three of us have our own different uh, directions where we come to the work, and we all have our own perspective. I think it makes it nice. Everybody's got a shot with us. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> you just got to hit up the right person. Right. There's, there's, there's not a kind of play that we wouldn't, consider someone um, wouldn't you know, be behind right yeah someone mm -hmm. would be behind every kind of thing you're mm -hmm. coming mm -hmm. with to the table so that's what makes it interesting and exciting for us well i think maybe we should just take a quick step back and and explain exactly what a producer does and there i presume there are two answers one for the nonprofit theater one for the commercial theater but maybe not as a nonprofit producer for the last 15 years, right. I can tell you that a nonprofit producer uh, and a for-profit producer are very different. Yeah. Um, in the nonprofit world, a producer's job is to build a successful team, use the budget that's allocated by the organization, and succeed to their greatest extent possible under those uh, under that situation. In those and and most of the time, the producer is not necessarily raising any money for it. The money is internal to the organization. Mm -hmm. um, in the commercial theater, it's a little bit the opposite. 
Um, the producer is the one who finds the product, secures the product, and finds the investment necessary to make it go forward. Mm-hmm. Um, then usually a general manager or another person is hired to actually produce, you know, to build the team and do what a nonprofit producer would do right. in that sense. Um, what Monty, uh, you know, Monty really and I do multiple things within the, within the collective, but we all focus our time as producers going out there and finding the product that we think is really high quality, finding out if we can afford to work with those folks that, uh, that have that product mm. and then finding the funds, the money, the bucks, mm. you know, to make it happen. Um, and that's, uh, that's a challenge of any for profit. Uh, theater company right. is, uh, you're not dealing with donors anymore. Right. You're dealing with investors and the expectations are very different. Right. Your model is, as I understand it, to take shows that have already been developed artistically. They already exist. They've been, people have seen them. You know what you're getting. Um, some commercial producers, on the contrary, actually create shows, right? So, so was that choice, um, is that unusual the way you're going about it? It's certainly a different model. Uh, I know that that's our focus. Our focus is definitely taking shows that have done well and um, basically get it so that they can continue to do well. Uh, We also have been talking about developing uh, different shows as well. We have been talking with different Chicago artists. I mean, the idea is that, sure, we take these companies that um, have shows that are, you know, very potentially very, very great and very will do very well. But we're also talking about taking artists that are potentially great Mm -hmm. and taking their work that is potentially great. And I think that's what the focus of the company is, is taking shows that and um, artists that are potentially great and uh, allow them the space, the time, the uh, personnel, the uh, finances to do great. I think that we should be clear, though, that our intention at this point is not to be in competition with uh, nonprofit producers. Mm -hmm. Our goal really is to take product that exists and artists that exist. We don't necessarily aren't looking to uh, be producers of new work mm-hmm. per se right. or producers of new musicals or mm-hmm. things of that nature. Uh, the place for us, the sweet spot for us is really in, oh, you have a hit show and it's selling like crazy and you can't get any more space from your landlord and you can't get any more money from your donors and you don't have enough staff. But if you had a little bit of money and a little bit of staff, you could move the show someplace else and keep making money right. for your artists and for your organization. That's our sweet spot. Right. That to me is where, at least in the very beginning here in the first few years, we're going to spend a lot of time focusing on that. And you is know? that a model that exists, say, in New York? I mean, Absolutely. A, so an off-Broadway, yeah. It off, used to exist here. Mm-hmm. I want to be very respectful of the history of uh, for-profit producing in Chicago. There's a huge history going back to the 60s and 70s, um, and before that, obviously. But um, this concept of working with nonprofit theaters and taking their best product and moving it for commercial runs is not unprecedented. Uh, it's just that no one's been doing it for the last 15 years. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember even the 90s. The 90s right. Michael, Michael Cullen from uh, the Mercury Theater. Um, uh, Chris Henderson, who's now the executive director of Chicago Shakes, was a commercial producer before he was at Shakes. Right. And he was doing just this kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we have great respect for that. And we, and we look at those models for how they were able to succeed 
in that as uh, as some examples we can learn from. You know, and and in New York, what's the model? Is it is is it what you're doing any different than the the commercial producers who keep an eye out for off off Broadway stuff and then kind of move it up the chain? So to no, speak? this no. is this is very similar. We simply don't have a chain. You know, we don't we don't have anything to climb up. Right. You know, uh, you can climb up to the point climb where over. maybe <laughs> right. You can climb up to maybe where you get invited to produce your play at the Goodman uh-huh. in their larger theater. Right. And that's sort of the pinnacle for a small or mid-sized theater company right. here in town. Right. That's what you're going to get. Right. There's no ladder to climb for Timeline to be playing at the Oriental. Because we don't see it that way in Chicago, which is what I think you mean, that that we don't see it as higher to be at the Oriental than to be at Timeline. Or do you mean something else? I mean both. I mean, I, I do mean that uh, we have great respect for the way we do what we do right. and the 100-seat show around here right. that doesn't feel right in anything but a 100-seat theater. Right. Uh, my feeling is it doesn't need to go to the Oriental. But there are shows in this town that are done in 100-seat theaters that would work great in 1,000-seat theaters. Mm, right. You know, A Steady Rain is a great example of that, you know. Um, and I think that there's no reason why a show shouldn't have a chance to move up the ladder, to be able to, say, move from a 100-seat space to a three or 400-seat space. And if it does well in that space, move up to a 1,000-seat space. That's what happened to Once, which was the new musical that just won the Tony Award. Right. It slowly worked its way up the ladder, mm-hmm. off-Broadway, mm-hmm. or off-off-Broadway, then off, then on-Broadway. And eventually, it, 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 the realization was it could play for any size audience. Mm-hmm. Right. We have that product here. We just don't have a ladder for right. it to move up. Right. And, I mean, every single person that comes to us and asks us about this uh, company, they ask us, okay, so what are you doing about venue? What is venue? What are you doing with it? And, you know, people ask us, are we thinking about having one building that mm-hmm. has, you know, like, this, do, are we going to own the Mercury? Are we going to own the Royal George? Mm-hmm. No, never. I mean, but we shouldn't say never. But, I mean, the idea is that a venue, uh, one venue for every Chicago show doesn't work. Right. Because right? right. there's a show that works really well in the 77 seat theater, and we're mm-hmm. not going to put it in the 1,000 seat theater. Right. We may upgrade it to maybe a 100 seat theater, 150. But that show, uh, you know, like a good example of that is a Little Night Music. Everyone talks about how wonderfully that space worked for that show. Right. Talking about how, at writers? Yeah, at mm-hmm. writers. And what are you going to do? Or where would you, where else would you put it? Mm-hmm. And um, I mean, the, there's the idea that. You know, you could try to put it in the Broadway Playhouse. Like, what would that look like? What would you, what would you lose? What would you right. lose from that? Right. And so, uh, we're really, we try to make sure that we keep that in mind in all of our decisions and every show that we look at and that we don't want to take away anything that worked for this show artistically in the first place. And yet, uh, we want to make sure that it can fill houses. Right. Right. Well, it's interesting, Brian, you said you thought a steady rain is a show that could play in a, a thousand seat theater. And you know better than I do. But I will say that having been at that um, performance, and we'll, we'll start talking about City Rain now. Um, so it's being, you are co-producing, or no, producing it in association with Chicago Dramatist Workshop, where it was developed originally, where it was produced originally. Very small house. Mm-hmm. Um, and I left, and, and then and then people may not know, many will, that it had a subsequent life, went to Broadway. Was, um, right, and that's sort of what I mean by it could play in front of a thousand people, as it did. It did, right, right, right. I guess so, but I would just say that I left and said, 
I would never want to see that in the Broadway house. Mm-hmm. It was so important to my experience of it that I'm in that small room with those two amazing actors mm-hmm. and just it's so intimate. And of course the producer, more so a commercial producer even than a nonprofit producer, is always having to strike this balance, I imagine, between you want to have more seats because that's more money because that means a longer run and more money for the actors and the artists and for you. Um, and on the other hand, one of the things that Chicago theater offers so much of are these little spaces where the experience of theater is really different. And even mm-hmm. the acting can be different, right? It's a different enterprise when it's small. Right. We don't disagree. I mean, yeah. we, we think that shows belong in the spaces where they're the most powerful. Right. Um, and the only time you, uh, you risk changing that is for a particular opportunity for the, theater company, mm-hmm. you know, or for the organization to, to benefit greatly right. uh, from it. Um, when, when, uh, the show went from Chicago dramatist to Royal George, I actually talked to the guys about this because <laughs> I was saying that, um, you know, the Royal George is such a cool theater. I really like it. I really like the venue. And they said, we were at, you know, Chicago dramatist is a 77 seat theater. When you look out into that ha- that house, it's narrow. Mm-hmm. You know, it's you get to see everyone, and this whole show practically is direct address. You're Played straight forward, right? At the audience, right. and so these guys, you know, they really make sure that they are talking to everyone in the audience. Mm-hmm. And so, I guess the um, the way that the Royal George is set up is obviously different. They um, had to swivel a little bit, right? And that changes something, right? It changes something artistically to the show. And it, and it, maybe it adds a, a different kind of more of an arena feel to it. I don't know, but it changed something in them mm-hmm. and uh, they noticed it and they didn't know how they felt about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's the thing that you always got to catch. It's like, what is that difference? What is the difference going to be when we move this somewhere else? Right, right. And there's such delicate alchemy in the theater. Sure. Uh, you know, things you just wouldn't expect can really change. The way a show is perceived or received or what it feels like to, to do it. Well, let's talk, um, let's talk about the money. Mm-hmm. So if you, um, uh, I mean, you only have one example right now. You have this show, A Steady Rain, um, which I just have to put in a little plug here because I feel like I'm a little bit of the poster child for at least one of the, uh, one of your constituencies. I never saw A Steady Rain the first time around. I was telling Monty before we started, I think I had a little bit of a misconception of what the show was. I, I imagined it as a little bit more of a literal kind of almost TV cop drama, and which wasn't going to be my cup of tea, I thought. Um, and I came to see it now. I had missed it twice and was so glad that I did. And so, you know, you've done, you've done that much anyway, <laughs> right? Right? Uh, right? At least people like me are getting another shot at this show. All right. That's but a n- win. That's a right. win. That's right. Yes. Put one up for Chicago Commercial Collective. <laughs> <laughs> but now talk about what is the arrangement with Chicago Dramatists, if you can. Sure. You can I'm, we're happy to be open about it. Um, uh, essentially, we've created a, there's a situation where the Chicago Dramatists no longer had the rights to the show mm-hmm. um, because five years had passed. And so the collective uh, got the rights to the play and then contracted the creative, essentially, the creative production from Chicago Dramatists in return for a portion of the gross profits of the show. And then once the show makes its money back, an additional portion of the net profits as well. Mm -hmm. And lucky for Chicago Dramatists that the collective decided to produce it here in in Chicago Dramatists. So there's also rental fees and other fees that go along with it as well. Um, one of the uh, 
very important issues we have to deal with over the next years is finding a model that allows uh, these nonprofit theater companies to make money off of a commercial production. Right. Um, it is not the norm for a, a nonprofit organization to make very much, even off of a direct transfer. Right. Um, we'd like to try to find models that uh, slowly change that, that really begin to sort of sh uh, allow the nonprofit organization to be engaged in the production as well as get uh, benefits for that. Uh -huh. you know? And even on an artist level, I mean, I'm, I'm in my 20s, and I'll say that my friends, they stay in Chicago for a bit, and then they have to go to New York because they think that they'll be able to make money there. Mm -hmm. They think as an artist they'll be able to make money. What do they know? So they go to New York, and they think they're going to make money in commercial theater or in commercials even um, because they don't think they can make that same money here in Chicago because they don't have long runs. They don't have shows that uh, – pay more it's their storefront right. theaters and so the collective is a great thing for the company sure we've mentioned that mm -hmm. but for the artists the people who um, need a longer gig they need to be paid a little bit better for the work for the training that they receive for the true talent that this city has mm -hmm. um they're able to stay. They're able to stay where they love to be. Because these people that move to New York, they don't necessarily want to move to New York because they they love it so. They love Chicago. They just can't do it. Can't make this is Monty's soapbox. He's so good at this. <laughs> I have to say, like, it's so true, though. I mean, he yeah. really speaks for all of us when he says that. Yeah. You know, I mean, we're all Chicago artists. And we know what it's like to have the show closed too early. So right. we're, we're really out to change that. Well, and, and this is, again, a kind of an object lesson in that because you know, a steady rain went to Broadway, but obviously these actors, these wonderful, wonderful actors right. didn't go to Broadway. Um, and now they are getting to have the commercial version of the show. It must feel pretty much exactly the same to them. I hope it does, yeah. 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 Um, well, how did you uh, settle on a steady rain as your first project? Oh, that was, that was a slam dunk. Um, I have to say, like, it was, that was, uh, the first two decisions that our collective made were the easiest decisions we've made. Cause let me tell you, since then, the rest haven't been that easy. Right. But the first two decisions was, what's our mission? And right. we all got together on that in about 15 seconds. Since you already had the same idea. Since we already idea. had the same right. idea. Right. And then the second was, what project are we working on first? Mm -hmm. And all of us said, a steady rain is mm -hmm. the first thing. Mm -hmm. I had been trying personally to inspire Chicago dramatists to produce, to remount a steady rain and was unable to get uh, the funding necessary to do that, mm -hmm. had already turned Aurelia onto a steady rain as a product. And Monty came with a desire to already work on this script. Mm -hmm. So it became very easy for us to say, this is something we're all passionate about. We love the play. We love the guys who are in it. Right. We love the staff around it. Uh, it comes from a good organization here at Chicago Dramatists. Uh, and it felt like a good natural first partnership. I don't want to blow it up too much, but I think in because I I can say this because I have distanced myself from the production before, maybe seven months ago. Uh, you know, there were there's been five years right since the, that production uh, in 2007. And to me, someone who didn't know anyone, didn't know Brian, didn't know the guys, the show was legendary. The show was um, you know legendary for like. 
people missed it. Mm -hmm. It was legendary for, uh, you know, this great two-hander show that was an amazing example of Chicago theater in Chicago, set in Chicago mm -hmm. with Chicago actors and Chicago people behind it. Mm -hmm. And uh, to me, I was like, yeah, this is obvious. That's a Chicago commercial collective should probably start with this. Uh, Brian won't mention, however, that his second passion is Christmas shows, which is another topic of <laughs> <laughs> I think there should be more Christmas shows in this city. I totally agree with you. I think there's too many you. Christmas carols and not enough other things. <laughs> and I want to apologize to the Goodman for saying that. I love your Christmas carol. <laughs> Can we remove that from the record? <laughs> well, for what it's worth, I'm with you on that. I had children. We there was, you know, we'd been to the Christmas Carol, we went to the Nutcracker, and then what do you do? You know, Thank and you. there are a lot of wonderful Christmas stories that could be on stage. Exactly. People exactly. love to do that. All right, so I think we just got a little glimpse of at least one other direction you all, you all might want to go. <laughs> Thanks. So what? <laughs> so what else are you looking at? Can you well, talk about we that? we have a hope to. Uh, there's another project that we've been public about, which is uh, to master the art, mm -hmm. uh, which was is by Bill Brown and Doug Frew. It was produced at Timeline back in uh, last winter, and uh, received a very short run at Timeline, even by their standards, uh -huh. of only eight weeks, uh, and sold out moments after the second performance, uh, and no one got to see it. Um, uh -huh. And well, the people who saw it might be a little right, offended well, by that uh, uh, characterization, but no one besides those 800 people or those, <laughs> those, whatever it was, or, or, or 3,000 people right. got to see it. Uh, and the reviews were very wonderful. Mm -hmm. Uh, it's a play that we feel has a very wide commercial appeal. Mm -hmm. Um, also, Julia Child's 100th birthday, uh, is next year. Uh, and we'd, uh, and food on stage is very popular right now. Mm -hmm. And the performances uh, in the play are fantastic. The script is, wonderful mm -hmm. uh and it is written by two chicago guys uh and directed by one of the authors um and timeline is a wonderful company i mean they are a company that has been on the up uh from the day they opened their doors right, right. um and has consistently uh gone upward um and we feel like they would be a company that's uh, prepared and ready to do uh, a commercial production mm -hmm. like this talk about a company that uh doesn't get enough credit right yeah. I mean, they're definitely, uh, still in a 99 seat theater, um, in a church, mm -hmm. uh, uh, for the quality of what they do and the scope and the amount of what they do. They should have their own space. They should be in bigger spaces. Um, and I know that's been a struggle for them over the years, but, uh, uh for us, you know, that mix of high quality product and high quality company, mm -hmm. uh, is really important. Um, we can't do it without the nonprofit. And we can't do it without the high quality work. Mm -hmm. So Timeline provides a nice mix of those. Mm -hmm. And then beyond that, we're seeing all kinds of wonderful plays. Mm -hmm. I mean, like, uh, I'll give a shout out to a couple of the ones I really love. I mean, I, I just saw Hank Williams Lost Highway by mm -hmm. Filament Theater, which I was like, wow, that's so good. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, and a little night music up at Writers Theater mm -hmm. is one of my favorites of the year for sure. Um, uh, well, let me ask you a question. That's a, that's an interesting example to me because one of the things that's so distinctive about writers is their endless runs. Mm -hmm. um, and do they actually ever get to the point where people can't see it in during the course of the whole long run? There are people who want to see it who didn't see it? I don't know. I think that there's some audiences that are not um, necessarily tapped. I mean... I think it's that, going up that far. To, honestly, yeah. it's yeah. Glencoe. Yeah. yeah, a lot of Glencoe sees it yeah. for yeah, sure. sure. And 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 the theater is small. Mm -hmm. I mean, the their large theater is ninety seats. Right, right. So it's not like even though they're a three million dollar you know uh, organization, mm -hmm. 
they're still producing in one theater that's 80 seats and one that's 40. Um, so it's, it, I would bet you that there's, there's still, there's, there's still, still an untapped still audience, an and particularly if you bring it south. So yeah. Yeah. When you've answered one of the questions I was going to ask, because your first two examples, The Steady Rain and To Master the Art, are both uh, new plays that were premiered here and that were written by Chicago um, playwrights. Obviously, that neither of those applies to Little Night Music, so it sounds like you are looking beyond Yeah, exactly. I mean, we want what the audience wants and what the organizations believe in, mm -hmm. you know. So if it's the they, production as much as the script. Exactly. It's mm -hmm. Chicago artists filling that production of Little Night right. Music, mm -hmm. right. you know, and it was uh, a great director who reconceptualized it and right. made it intimate like Chicago musicals have become. And right. So I think that uh, that's important to us, you know. And and it sounds like keeping uh your you said you're not going to have a single venue by any means, but it sounds like being kind of central to the core of the Chicago ge geography is part of what you would do. Yeah, I think that it's important. We talk about writers' theater. I really want to make sure if we were to remount it, it needs to be remounted somewhere that helps them. Right. You know, if they want downtown, then it should be remounted downtown. Mm -hmm. Um. But if there's an organization that's centered in a neighborhood and they want to stay in that neighborhood, that, you know, that's a challenge for us to find additional space in that area. Right. Um, right. But we want to work with them to find what's right. Mm -hmm. But I mean, even with Chicago Dramatists, there's been a bit of a almost commercial transformation in this building, in the theater building. There's been a bit of a, I mean, if you look at the back of the theater building, there's a huge banner that says a steady rate now. Mm -hmm. That would, uh, I'm going to change the world for the wonderful production that Chicago Dramatists just put up. Would mm -hmm. that still have, you know, would that production have that huge banner there? No, but that's the sort of thing that we'll be able to, we can do for you. Do, companies. right, right, right. Well, that, that, that raises an interesting question that I was thinking about. It wouldn't have made sense, I wouldn't think, given Chicago Dramatists' mission for Chicago Dramatists to remount the show, right? Yeah, you and, and my board of directors agree on that. <laughs> <laughs> so, but but doing it in the space, presumably at a time when they didn't have anything else going on and they could make some money. And they didn't have to spend any money. Money, right. You right. know, Chicago Dramatists did not put a dollar towards this production. Right. The collective provided the entire budget. So right. my board was happy, is very happy, right. uh, to see the show back and back here. It provides good Yours meaning Chicago Dramatists. Yes. You've I'm got sorry. this two hats got, thing going, I do going, have two right? hats, and I apologize. Right. I should talk in a higher pitch. When I talk. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to do an example oh of it, Oh, my gosh. She's become Jekyll and Hyde in the yeah. last couple of months. Um, no, but uh, to say the least, Chicago Dramatists as an organization is very happy mm -hmm. uh, for the extra visibility uh, and the fact that Steady Rain's back. Right, right, right. So where does your money come from? Money trees. <laughs> yeah, I want out. one of those. <laughs> They're on the north side. Um, yeah, there's, I mean, we have investors. Uh, we're looking for investors that uh, you know, span from downtown to the suburbs. It's, it, it's amazing how uh, many people hear the idea and then, like you said, they go, huh, this doesn't exist. Right, already. it seems, it does seem obvious. Yeah. yeah. There's, um, there's already a community here that uh, understands investing in theater, uh, not just donating. Um, but most of that, activity takes place in New York mm -hmm. so that uh, although they live in Chicago and likely donate to Chicago cultural organizations, when they're investing their money in theater, they're usually investing it in New York. Mm -hmm. um, and so one of the things we're trying to do is to try to find a way to turn some of that around mm -hmm. uh, and find a way to bring some of that money back into Chicago for commercial productions. Now that sounds to me like an entirely different kind of work than you've ever done. Sure. To be working with wealthy people who are giving you their money 
and hoping to make some money from it, that now you're really the rubber meets the road and the difference between nonprofit where everybody just wants to put on a really good show and your accountability to these in- investors. There's a new responsibility. There's yeah. a new responsibility to that investor, to that show. Um, you know, you have to really make sure that you've picked something that that investor can be proud of, mm-hmm. that the investor can um, go see and say, yeah, I'm so proud that my name's on that. Well, and it, yeah, it really helps that they can have seen the show. It's not not a pig in a poke that they're investing in, unlike most situations when you're uh, when you're investing in the theater. Well, I know uh, Brian, you've got a Chicago Dramatist meeting, so we're going to have to call this. But um, we're talking about the two hats. Thank you, both of you, for joining me to talk about it, and and good luck with what really seems like a very worthwhile venture. Thank you, Thank you so much for your time. Mm-hmm.